For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers welcome everybody it's monday time for a last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton from 1057 the point and ladies and gentlemen he used to play for your st louis blues now he's a team member down the hall at 101 espn a part of the fast lane our new jamie rivers gentlemen what in the heck is going on? Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you. Happy How are Monday. you, sir? Man, you had a heck of a weekend, did you not? All yeah. this hockey and everything? Holy hockey, cow. oh yeah. And uh, some really intense uh, U-12 uh, girls soccer. Oh, well. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what a weekend you for coach, at least weather. Do you coach that? Or yes, is that just, oh, okay. Yeah, Outside I, at least, I hope. I mean, I'm a hell of an athlete, Donnie. Let's right, just look get at straight hey, man, I'm look not trying to sell you short, look dude. Look at the guy. <laughs> um, yeah, we, no, they play over at uh, like the Mueller Fields in St. Charles and then... She plays indoor and outdoor. She plays volleyball. She's like, she's probably the best athlete in the Rivers family. She's incredible. But I mean, bar set pretty low, but that's good for bar her. Bar set you know? yeah. pretty low. I mean, if she gets to be above a healthy scratch, that's, that's a win. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what is your what is your bio say? I'm good in the locker room. That's where they normally left me, or something yeah. like that. So you're so good in the room, Rev. We're just going to leave you here. Just leave you. We'll be right time. back in about 20 minutes plus commercials. We'll be right back. Be fine. Is is one of the? Does your daughter prefer one of those sports more than the other? Is she? I mean, is the potential she could go to college with that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that soccer would be her her jam, as the kids call it these days. Mm-hmm. She's really good. She's really fast. Like. And she's tall for her age, so volleyball can it would be like a natural one. She's really good at that too, mm-hmm. but man, she just runs so fast, and she's really good. So it's it's fun to watch it, and uh, it's been cool because she started off so timid, yeah. where she wouldn't even kind of get involved, and you know. And then finally, I kept trying to tell her, pretend it's your brothers that you're playing against. <laughs> right. And she got kicked out of the game. After pretty that. much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the red card flew, and actually they just started nicknaming her red card. Oh, good. Good, <laughs> good, no, good, 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 good. Has but, she ever tried lacrosse by chance? Uh, no, she hasn't. Okay. No, no. interest in it whatsoever? Because that no. is a big, uh, as far as scholarships are concerned, two things that you pu- push your daughter towards, and this is a generally speaking, but from what I understand, with my girls, and mine are 18 and 21, so they just got past this, lacrosse, and golf. golf. You want yeah. yourself a, a scholarship, boom and boom. Yeah, she's she's not much into those. Um, she's shown some interest in hockey in the past, but she's much too old to start taking that up right now. And I think she likes hockey to, like, watch. She's like, okay. But she's just, she just loves soccer, loves volleyball, and she's she wants to start doing cross-country running, too. Good for And what, I, how, 12, is that what you say? 12, yeah. So you got you got a little while to worry about this, but uh, what I've noticed with – my girls that are not just blues fans, they're hockey fans. It's not, oh, TJ, oh, she's cute. You know, he is, clearly. But they actually watch the game and talk about other teams and stuff like that. And that's really cool for a girl to have in her back pocket when some dude comes comes calling along, especially if their da- if dad is a former player. And so she's into she's, it. She has the knowledge and stuff. Uh, nah, let's say she's halfway between knowledge and halfway between. I think Ryan O'Reilly's cute. Okay, good. Yeah, you know, right. another one. Which, which, by the way, she's not wrong. Yeah. No, she's not wrong. Which, by the way, though, every female in my house has a crush on Ryan O'Reilly. 
Yeah. Like even the dog, who's a female. She's, every time he comes on, she's like, Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a handsome guy, man. Yeah, my wife doing? is like, oh, he's so cute. My daughter, who's going to Mizzou, she's like, Ryan O'Reilly's so cute. I'm like, he's missing a tooth. Yeah. Well, it was like, pretty, at least. It was amazing. But he and can I, pull it off. Yeah. I, it was amazing the other day when he did the virtual thing with the fourth grade class, and they asked him about hockey players missing teeth, and then he popped out the yeah, middle front, and the whole, cool. the whole class... Oh, yeah. it was really oh, wonderful. But you know what? Like, like, to, just to, to key on him, and we've talked about him a lot before. But I mean, he just seems like the prototypical guy that we want as our captain, right? I mean, from the play on the ice to the way he carries himself off of. I mean, he just is really a special player. It's funny the way I see that athletes get it is when they do commercials, and you can see they get it in the commercials. You know what I mean? Not. Hi, my name's Ryan O'Reilly, and when I buy trucks, I get them from this place. He's you out there. Like that? No, he's out. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's smiling. He's personable. He sure. gets it. He knows that if he does good on this commercial, more will come mm-hmm. as well. Which that's is how it works, smart. Jeff. Yeah. I yep. just want Pat Maroon on every commercial in St. Louis, selling anything and everything because I'll buy it. I'm not. I'm not lying, man. I I love it so very much. Man. Well, it's cool that Car Shield did that too. Now. There's a whole background with that Car Shield company. The uh, owner of the company was a big roller hockey guy. Oh. And as you know, Pat Maroon's a big roller hockey player back in the day. He doesn't do it anymore. Uh, actually, I think he did it like two years ago, which was crazy. Uh, but they have a group of guys that they've known each other for a long time playing roller hockey. So Car Shield started a, a national roller hockey team, like a pro roller hockey team. And now they now they started a AAA ice hockey program here in town. So it's pretty cool. So Pat Maroon, knowing this gentleman, and then not even being a St. Louis Blue anymore for yeah. the commercial, coming back to do it, and then Ryan O'Reilly, certain they're like really good buddies when they're both on the Blues. Still are, obviously. But they pull it together, put together some pretty funny commercials. That's very good. So a Car Shield would possibly be a sponsor for this podcast. Car Shield if should really, be. Really, really I'd like to ask an inappropriate question. Uh, how... Finally, Jeff. We got <laughs> Finally. No, not, 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 not where uh-huh. you guys want to go. Uh-huh. But how uh, how lucrative are those local commercials for the athletes? You know, I mean, I know it's it's you know it's 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 got to be good money, right, but, right, right. But like, how good of money are we talking about here? And I don't need specifics necessarily, but like, you got it, yeah, I mean, because they don't good. get a ton of them. No, but the Car Shield now is a national company as well, so they've got more money there. Uh, it depends on the size of the company and how many times they're going to run it and the amount of months or weeks or years that they want to try and be in a partnership. It's it's a whole different – it's just like radio, guys. Yeah. Sure. Like the money's not the same to do a live read as it is to do a commercial. Trust me, it's different. Right. Trust me. <laughs> but that being said – Welcome to radio. Welcome to radio. It's like, what? They really lied to me over here. <laughs> uh, but you guys know it's the, the relationship you build, and if you get a good relationship and the, and the company believes in what you're doing, they stick with you and they re-up and they find other ways for the company to spend money and you to make money. Same thing with the commercials. Uh, I think CarShield has nailed it with this with this duo of Maroon and O'Reilly. Yep. I would suggest they keep doing it and maybe you know periodically try to add somebody more, like a David Perron or something like that. It would be funny to bring him in and then almost like cut him from the CarShield team <laughs> or <laughs> expose him to like the other brand to pick him up. <laughs> the other thing that genius is I didn't I didn't think you could make Darren Pang look smaller and then you put goalie <laughs> stuff on him. Yeah. 
You put wow. a glove and it's the size of his arm. Yeah. When I'm, see- when I'm seeing that commercial, and I know that this is not reality, but I'm thinking to myself, Panger, you don't have a mask on. These right, guys yeah. are going to shoot a puck at your face, man. <laughs> what are you doing? The fact that he's in a suit and tie <laughs> yeah. didn't distract you? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I'm worried about the mask. <laughs> I know, man. My, What's a, a it's how he of, makes his money, man. A couple like, of times my thought was, man, could you do a take two on your reading and acting? But that's what makes it so genius. <laughs> I have to. Panger? <laughs> <laughs> And the commercials it's not are Shakespeare. on. And the commercials are on so much, man. Oh, I just, so dude, great. I love them. You okay. know what? Real quickly, yeah. one of them that I and it, it, this was more of a is, is this was a blues promo as opposed to a commercial for Car Shield, who should do commercials here too. Is this was a couple? I think it was a year before the Stanley Cup, the one where Petrangelo was teaching mm, the nicknames. The nicknames. Do you remember that? It was Bortuzzo, Pareco, Blay. Probably Sammy Blay. And yeah. maybe some. And he had a chalkboard on how to say nicknames and stuff. I laughed every time they played that. It was That's, funny. Uh, they need to do more of we that. We used to stuff. do a I ton just, of those back in the day. Yeah. Like in the mid-90s, uh, Jim Woodcock, who came in to be a part of the Blues, he was incredible. He was very forward-thinking. He was the guy, the brains behind changing the jerseys from the clown jerseys to what we had originally after that, which was more traditional, which the Blues still wear a version of it today. Yeah. That was Jim Woodcock. Okay. And I thank you so much, Woody, because, oh, my God, we needed that change. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you do all of Pavel Dimitra? Yeah, I did a bunch of them. Okay. Actually, it was funny stuff. Pavel Dimitra was one because we started to have Saturday games. And so the concept was you guys are going to pretend you're getting your hair ready. It's a, it's a big Saturday night in St. Louis, you know. And so Pavel and I were younger guys and may or may not have – wanted to look good at all times <laughs> uh we're sitting there in the mirror and, and playing with our hair and like getting it all perfect yeah. and then craig conroy scott pellerin and i forget who else came in who weren't so into you know keeping their, their looks up <laughs> sorry guys came in and started messing up our hair and so it was kind of funny uh i did one for this was the funniest one was me and brett hall and you're like what how did you what? get in a com- commercial? You're right. You paid for this, right? <laughs> I signed up. I won a contest. I get to get <laughs> commercial with Brett Hall. But it was for Bud Light Ice way back when. You guys remember that. Oh, Are yeah. you kidding me? And oh, so good Lord. Uh, we had Holly like posing in one area, and I had this huge block of ice and a hammer and a chisel. And I was supposed to be a sculptor. And so Holly was over like posing, and I'm like, trying to hammer it, and I'm, like, doing the, wait, wait, I got to see if this works. And right. I'm like, hey, Holly, hold still, will you? And he's like, sorry, I just want to put my arms up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cheesy, right? But then what's funny is then they, they pan over, and they have me, and I'm, like, whacking the heck out of this thing. There's ice chips flying everywhere, and then they somehow the camera worked that they do. Go to Holly, back to me, and the piece is finished. Like, whoa. We and Holly's like, you man. really are talented. Yeah, I'm over here looking at looking up on YouTube. I can't find it. Dude, anyway, we got it. We got to find these. I'll find the, it. I'll the, ask Jim Woodcock. The Demetra one. I I had. I think you might have even retweeted it or something in the last couple of months. But you know what? It's it, we talk about that and we joke. But that's a really important time. That's when a lot of guys. My age, maybe even a little bit younger, went from the casual hockey fan to, oh, baby, yeah. I love this and mm-hmm. I want way, way more of it. Because when I was growing up here, baseball, 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 baseball. And then, you know, hockey kind of came along a little bit later. But those of us that jumped in, boy, oh, boy, feet first. I'll tell you what, my now 21-year-old daughter, her one of her favorite memories, and she still has this picture to this day, uh, the old Shark Tank in South County. Uh, at uh, was oh, it yeah. Limburg, Limburg in '55? There was an event yeah. there where you got to go meet those oh, players, right, and I yeah. brought her and. 
got a picture with him and signed signed her shirt and all this, and that's one of her favorite memories. And from there on, I think it's when she got into hockey, believe it or not. Yeah, that was cool. So, I was yeah. busy there that day, oh, it too. it was ridiculous. I jumped the line like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. <laughs> he pulled, you know who I am? Yeah, he pulled, did you know who I am? I'm Jeff Burton. Right. And they were like, back in line, sir. <laughs> actually, I I said, gonna... actually, I said Danny Mack. And I got right to the front. <laughs> right to the front. <laughs> so, uh, over the weekend, Blues uh, win on Friday. They lose on Saturday. Um, I want to kind of ask about the Saturday game because you had the Tarasenko bump. You, you got to see 91 again, which was very exciting. The team blows three to nothing lead, loses the game four to three. It looked to me that the guys just plain flat out ran out of gas, whether that be an excuse or not. It just looks that way to me. When you have a winning streak, you get Tarasenko back. Does that soften the blow of coughing up that lead or does that, lead that you lost, the game that you lost, hurt just like any other one that you piss away when you don't want to. It always hurts. Why? Sure, sure. It sucks, and especially when you do have a a streak going, and it's against a team that came into your building and gave it to you twice the last time around. You got your win back on Friday against them, and you'd like to, you would have liked to put the icing on top with a win Saturday, and certainly not giving back the game and then losing it. That's not ideal. And so, yeah, that one stings. No matter who comes back in the lineup, that one really stings. One of the things that I read actually in more than one place online after uh, Saturday's game. Was it last night or Saturday's game? Sorry, man. They didn't play last night. Okay, so two nights ago where they lost in overtime. We're talking football, right? Yeah, (laughs) lacrosse. More than one person made this point. I think maybe you may have, Jamie, alluded to this in a past show. But are are we losing games late because... People that are normally skating six, seven minutes a game are now skating 11, 12 minutes a game. So now they're gassed at the end of the game and or they're not playing in a position of strength. Or is it a combination of those things? Probably a combination. The way I look at it is everybody at this point, because of the injuries, probably has had to, their body has probably adapted to some more ice time. Now, the problem with that is these last handful of games you've played are against big, heavy teams. You go into San Jose to start this trip. That was a battle. I mean, the Bennington thing, and you had the the shootout, the OK Corral, you know, 7-6 victory, and it was a lot of physicality in that game. And then you jump to Anaheim, which, yeah, they're lower team in the standings, but that's a big physical team as well. And you win there and battle for two wins. And now you go into L.A. We know they're a big physical team. They play that. 1-3-1 one, one trap that forces you to keep the puck in the trenches and battle through, you get tired, man. It's just a fact. It, it happens. And sometimes the other team plays better. You know, that's just the way it is. Like, you take your foot off the gas for a little bit, and it's not like you sit there and you're like, okay, guys, everybody, um, we're going to stop trying for a little bit, okay? Mm, everybody catch their up. breath. Everybody rest up. Everybody make sure the D got that message too. Okay, great. Okay, cool. No, it's, that's not how it happens. It's just... The other team starts to build some momentum. You start to you know, lose some energy. You start to make some bad plays, and that creates momentum for the other team. And it just sort of spirals sometimes. And, and it's what happens. It, it sucks, but that's what happens. Uh, talking about that one-three-one that L.A. uses, the NHL Network was just flipping sunshine up L.A.'s skirt all weekend about how amazing that thing is to where they were breaking it down and doing a coach's clicker and all this other stuff. It's so If it's so amazing, first of all, why doesn't everybody do it? Or is it because it doesn't work against all types of teams or just during certain situations? Because they kept breaking it down and nobody could get past that. Yeah, it's 
I hate it personally. Do you? Yeah, I hate it. I think it's boring ass hockey is what I think it is. It's Goes back to New Jersey Devils way back when playing oh, yeah. their trap. Neutral zone trap thing. Before they allowed the two-line pass, the Devils could slow the game down, and that's how they won a Stanley Cup. They, they, I want to say they were a garbage team. They weren't a garbage team, but they weren't an elite team that year. But the way they shut down the ice was, you know, ended up winning a championship. So some would argue that, yeah, well, they did it better than everybody else. Okay, fine. Doesn't mean I have to like watching it. Right. Uh, the 1-3-1, only certain teams can pull that off. You have to be very, very dedicated to what it is. You have to be very, very patient. You have to have some big bodies. You have to have some um, agile defensemen out there. I hate it. But the best, you can break that. It's not that hard. You just have to be willing to take the game into the trenches. Now, the Blues did a – what they did is a double swing on the same side, and what that does is it created two guys in close proximity. So if you have the one and the three and the one – if you have two guys that swing to the same side and you pass it there, it creates a two-on-one on that guy on the outside. So now you can try to, you know, break it that way. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is to have, you know, one guy post up, another guy slash supporting in behind that one defensive player, and you move it to the, your, your strong side forward. He chips it off the wall, and now your slash now support picks up the puck and you're moving with speed. Any way you do it, but it still ends up being a board play or a wall play that Ultimately helps you beat it. Super exciting. Yeah. Well, can you talk yeah. about uh, what you saw from from Vladimir on on Saturday night? Obviously, short shifts, not a ton of ice time. Obviously, because you're working him back. But uh, what 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 did you see? Anything that that kind of rang the bell? Yeah, I thought I thought he looked good. I thought he looked healthy. So that was a bonus. You know, um, he had a couple of opportunities. Heck, he could have won it in overtime. Yeah, which would have been pretty oh. damn cool yeah. right there. Yeah, that'd been pretty cool. Uh, but you know what? Just listening to him talk after the game was the biggest thing for me. Was that He's come a long way in this in this comeback, and it's not just this one. We forget that he was out for an extended period of time before that as yeah. well. So it was like injury, couple of games, injury again, long term, both of them. That can really psychologically screw you up. And he sounded like he was pretty positive about things. Uh, again, he didn't uh, talk about any pain in the shoulder and felt like he had some pushback. He took a couple of hits, gave a couple of hits, and... So for me, the biggest thing I wanted to see on Saturday night was Vladimir Tarasenko able to play again on Monday. And it <laughs> so looks far, like so good. So far, so good. <laughs> and so he'll get better as we go. The shifts will get longer right. as we go. But I think it's baby steps right now. Absolutely. I want to ask, um, you know, so the team is right in the thick of this. Lots of games short period of time they've got the day off today and we've asked you these types of questions before Jeannie but what is the day off like for the guys today is it like it has been before is it treatment and then that's it is there practice how are you keeping your body in shape when you're playing so many games in such a short period of time and every freaking other game we're losing somebody due to injury yeah listen the coaching staff and Craig Bruby is amazing at this he talks to the captains all the time Brings them in almost on a daily basis, or at least one of them pulls them aside. You know, how's the room? Where are we at? You know, this and that and the other. And the guys tell them. Like, uh, in L.A., they got the day off, and it was almost like mandatory team meeting by the pool. Mm. And it was just sit back, relax, get into the sunshine, take the day, and really kind of refocus yourself both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And so that's important. And now that's going to be the way it is for the rest of the season is judging how much rest your team needs and how they're doing as far as their health is concerned, both mental and physical, 
And, yeah, the injuries are weighing on this team big time. You know, you get one guy back flat and you lose Oscar Sundquist. And that's a big loss. And, you know, for many, many reasons it's a big loss because he he slots in everywhere. He plays on your power play. He's on your penalty kill. He's on your checking line. He's out there for important face-offs. Losing that guy is a big deal. So now somebody, again, is going to have to step up. And what do we know about this injury? Do we know how long he's out? Did They didn't put him on the IR yet, did they? No. No, okay. they're, they're waiting, I guess. I I don't know exactly yeah. what's going on. And that's the one thing, too, with the way this COVID protocol stuff is going. You don't have as much access to talking to people. And not that you would anyways on the road, but usually somebody would. You know, somebody who's down there and be like, okay, kind of get the feeling it's something X, like y, this, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and if they have home games, then, you know, I would be down at the rink and able to talk to some guys. And sometimes the guys will just flat out tell you. Right. Uh, but they just don't tell the media. Sure. You know, so it's uh, so we'll see. Hopefully it's not serious. Well, I've got a bunch of we've got a bunch of emails uh, from folks before today. we get started. Before we get started. Well, before uh, we uh, get uh. started and before we get to your question, I've got another question, too. OK. Well, you got a question to... and emails. You got a question. I ain't got nothing over He here. just donnied me. I know. He I didn't mean me. to donny you, man. He did. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> And also, you guys didn't this even compliment how great my intro was. Dude, today, your intro way. was amazing. It was amazing. I was actually writing you a card to send you in the mail you know what, how Jerks, great it was. I just wanted to ask Sorry, Jamie's thoughts about, about Tom Wilson the, and the hit this the weekend and the and the, the Tom Wilson hit, the seven-game suspension. I wanted to know your thoughts on it. On him as a player, mm-hmm. because it, it seems for every person that bags this guy and says that he's a hack and shouldn't be in the league, there's five other people that stand up for him and say that he's a hell of a hockey player and that he's not a dirty player. I think he's both of those things. I think he's a, an incredibly gifted hockey player that does not have a governor to go, that guy's vulnerable, I'm going to stop. I think his governor goes, that guy's vulnerable, I'm going to crush him. Not necessarily to hurt him necessarily, but to be a good teammate, and he doesn't realize, I'm going to hurt somebody. He doesn't realize the, he doesn't care about the repercussions. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I want to start off by saying, what a great hockey player this guy could be, but just what a jerk. I just didn't, I, listen, I'm just talking from a fan perspective, right, from me my too. brain. Me too. I don't want that guy on my team. No, I would love that guy's skill set on my team if he had a governor to go, I can see this guy's numbers, I can see his last name, I need to stop. Got it, yes. But it seems like he gets turned on by that, like, oh, I'm going to go crush this dude. Yeah, one thing I can say is, you absolutely want this guy on your team. 100 frigging percent you want this guy on your team. He scored over 20 goals last year as a... A goon or a cheap shot guy. He kills penalties. He's on the second penalty kill unit. He's on the second power play unit. And at the end of the game, when the other team goes six on five, he's out there to play D and seal the deal. He's an incredible hockey player. He's tough as nails. And he plays the game on the edge. Okay? The hit the other night wasn't bad. It, it shouldn't have even been – it shouldn't have been a suspension. Because it wasn't a penalty in the game, right? But if you watch it again – Brandon Carlos' stick comes up in the air, and then when Wilson follows through, the stick bangs Carlos' head. Like, his own stick traps his head on the glass, and that's what causes the injury. Tom Wilson doesn't go in there and fly into the guy's face. He clipped the shoulder, then he hits the hands near the stick, and then the head goes because Brandon Carlos' own stick knocks his own head up against the glass. See, and that's that's unfortunate if that is the case, and I have every reason to believe you, because how many casual fans went, oh, it's Tom Wilson, I don't even need to watch well, it. Those, what a jerk. All those people, you know, it, it, it gets irritating to me because 
I'm not even asking for the league to go back to what we played in the 90s or early 2000s. I get it. We're beyond that, okay? But we can't go so far as to now we're taking the physicality out of it. Like, what's the point then? Take the hitting out completely then. If you're going to do that, take it out. Now you have no gray area. Nobody gets hurt. And then players will run around like they do and do dumb stuff all the time. And nobody will be held accountable for it. And that's that. There you go. There's your new NHL. Well, guess what? I'm not signing up for it. Well, and, and I'm I, not. I, listen, I don't. Listen, it's a tough. I understand exactly what you're saying completely. And obviously, Wilson as a player is a separate sort of thing. But I, I just I feel like if they let some of these guys handle some of these issues on the ice, then maybe we won't have guys that are going out that are, you know, doing cheap things and getting away with it because there are no repercussions. Did you see the rest of that game? I No, I did not. Okay. So Jared Tenorti, son of Mark Tenorti, big Mark Tenorti, played oh, in yeah. Minnesota, and he was a tough customer. Uh, anyways, Jared Tenorti went right after Tom Wilson after that next shift, and they dropped the gloves, and they went at it, and they had a good battle. Then fast forward a little further in the game, Trent Frederick. St. Who's Louis, a St. Louis St. kid? Louis boy. Yeah. Okay, he's been kicking ass and taking names in the NHL. He's become the new Lucic in Boston. I mean, he's tough as nails, and the fans are loving this kid. He goes over and goes right after Wilson again. Fights him. Good little fight. You know, nobody, nobody even really got tagged in it. They go to the box, and Wilson looks over at Trent Frederick, and he goes, "Okay, are we done? Are we, are we friggin' done? Are we done now?" Like he's had to fight twice after that thing. And after that, the game was fine. Like, Wilson didn't hit anybody after that. He didn't. He played right. the game. But they got their pound of flesh. You know, they got out there and they got after it. And I know it's promoting violence. Well, I'm sorry. Football or Hockey and football are contact sports. And if you can hit a guy clean and if he gets injured, it is what it is. Uh, and the fighting that's in hockey, I'm sorry. It's there to calibrate the intensity of the game. It's there to, you know, to kind of take away, taper some of the cheap shots that go out. What what was the so you say it was not a dirty hit? I don't think what, that one was. What was the NHL's version of it's a dirty hit? Listen, I stopped. Like, what was their reason? Crap. They don't have a clue. Okay, it they just, don't. They the, the guy. To your point earlier, like, oh well, somebody gets hurt on it. I understand. Nobody's going out there necessarily to injure a guy like bad and put him out in career-ending stuff. But every time I hit somebody in my career. You better damn well believe I was trying to leave a message there. Mm-hmm. And when I would hit a guy near the boards, you don't hit a guy into the boards. I used to hit him six inches past the boards. Like, that's how hard you hit him because you want to leave an impression. And if he blows out his shoulder in the process, I feel bad, but I'm sorry. I, I want to ask this. The, the, I, gosh, I'm so happy that I get to ask this question. <laughs> so, so you know, guys that that we typically – would call a cheap player. I'm guessing that there's probably not very many players in the NHL today that you yourself would call a cheap player. And then when I go back in like in, in my brain and I think of somebody like Claude Lemieux, mm-hmm. all right, Pepe who, Lemieux. Pick oh man, which that guy. Did you guys know yeah. that his nickname was Pepe Lemieux? No, I did not. Oh, yeah. But boy. I was watching that 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 NHL Network thing on the Joe on on Joe Lewis oh, Arena. There you go. And, and they you know showed that series and and so. So are these guys, so like a Claude Lemieux, he is not trying to hurt a player? He he, he oh, no, is no. just... He's trying to hurt somebody. Okay. Yeah, so he's a piece of crap. 
Okay, so I'm just saying that sometimes when I look at a player <laughs> as being a dirty player, you get very defensive of said player. But then, I, I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of trying to find though. the... There's a difference, though. You watch Claude Lemieux and you look at his history of being a player. Which there was a lot of that, I understand. His history of being a player was that there were way more cheap shots than ever answering the bell. Okay. Okay? And when he answered the bell, it was usually because he was forced to. Tom Wilson, you look at his history, and yeah, there's some black marks on there for sure. He's had some dumb-ass hits, 100%, that he should have been suspended for that are not right. But he's also answered the bell every single time. Got it. And so there's something there's a respect factor there. Now does it, here's the thing. Tom Wilson hadn't been suspended in what 3 years. I believe is what it was. He cleaned up his game, guys. He if a guy that's that much of a scumbag has so many suspensions and but then goes what 3 hockey seasons almost without another suspension, it means he's making an effort. Sure. Because a guy that big and that fast and that able, every single shift he could cripple somebody. And But with that history, that's probably part of the reason why he got seven games. 100%. Yeah. And I just don't agree with it. Not on this hit. Now, there's now, other it, ones that I'd say, yeah, you know what, dumbass, uh, yeah, you deserve that. So they'll probably do some sort of meeting and, and chisel it down to three or something, right? He says he's not going to appeal it. Uh-huh. As of right now, I would appeal it. Why not? You know, you got the NHLPA that's supposed to be there to help you, I would appeal it because technically he's not a repeat offender because it's gone past the period of time. It's like a two-year window, right. and after that you get to wipe the slate clean. So he's not a repeat offender on this one. Would that be the Players Association telling him not to? I don't know. It, well, he, that's who you would consult with, right? and they would hire the lawyers and dedicate the time and the effort, which they have no problem doing. Um but his agent and him and the PA would get together and either fight the league on it. The risky run is that Gary Bettman then comes into it. And Gary Bettman can then add games if he mm. feels like it. Mm-hmm. He can be like, okay, we're going independent here. I think this is worth 10 games. Now what? You know, so it's it's a tough scenario. It has been shaved down before. I think if you're going to send a message, I think you go four games on this. I mean, Washington is in a dogfight at the top of their division. They desperately need Tom Wilson. He's an incredible hockey player. If you ever want to treat yourself to something fun, just isolate Tom Wilson every shift of every game. You're going to be like, oh, my God, Donnie, you you might, by the end of the first period – be ordering a Wilson jersey. <laughs> well, it's just, <laughs> listen, man, I, I think part of it is, is, is an education thing for me. Uh, and because, and, and I'll be very truthful here, it's not like I'm watching a bunch of Washington Capitals games anyway. So I'm definitely kind of speaking out of the side of my ass there sure, yeah. a little bit too. But, you know, man, you see him blow so many guys up and you're like, this is not how the game is anymore. It, is kind of my point. But I, I understand. You see, you know. I tell you what, that series over no, the but weekend, then, though. You know what? Fairness ooh, to it you, it was fun to watch. What's that? That series over the weekend was fun to watch. It was fun to watch, absolutely. Man. But here's the thing: is you see this now? I'm portrayed as a dinosaur. Sometimes people who listen will go, uh, "He's just a crabby guy." You go back in the day, back in the day, the game has changed, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know what? The game has changed, and some of it I don't understand. Some of it I'll never understand at this point. But there are some elements to it that need to stay in the game. I coach youth hockey. I coach kids. I teach them how to play the game properly, how to play physically properly. And so there is still a physicality to this game that needs to be there. That's what's appealing to the the casual fan, the person who's turning on NBCSN for the very first time. It's appealing to see how fast the game is 
and how physical it can be without injuries. Okay, I'm sorry to do this because we've got a ton of emails and I want to get to them, but I think it was in the last week to two weeks, someone posted a video on Twitter that made the rounds of, I believe it was a hockey school in Russia, and they were, (laughs) do you know what I'm talking about, where they're teaching the kids to fight? To fight. What do you think about that? Oh my God. I think it's ridiculous. What, I, how age? Are, what age are we talking about? 10, 11, oh, yeah. 12, like, somewhere not, around like, there. You don't know how to fight by then? <laughs> <laughs> Grew up in the main streets of Fenton back in the 80s. <laughs> they didn't even have their gloves up. No. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And here's what's happening over there in Russia is in, in the KHL, um, like when I went over there, it was called the Russian Super League, which there was nothing super about it. But anyways... <laughs> Guys, North American guys would go over there and beat the crap out of Russians, and they'd get paid for it. And there was one team in particular, Vitas Chekhov. The owner would come down and hand the import players a number, and they had to go out and take that guy out, and they'd get paid extra. It was literally like crazy. Bounty gate. It was crazy. And the owner was maybe involved in organized Something. Yeah. So, so at least it was organized. It was organized. <laughs> and so, Chaotic crime sucks. Organized crime's fine. So you had a choice as a player. Take the number in your hand, go out and do it, and get a bag of cash after the game. Or, you know, potentially lose your job and be you know, sent out of the Russian Super League because nobody else is going to sign you after that guy says you're done. And they're like, yeah, we're good. Wow. So, guys, so in Russia, North American guys would go over and just kick the piss out of guys all the time. And so the Russian players over the last couple of years have tried to get better at fighting and now so they're teaching the kids how to do this they're grabbing on and throwing and the kids one kid got, got buckled like three times <laughs> and there was there was and i shouldn't Jeez. even be laughing at this but there was like this one kid that i was like i would not fight him no <laughs> he was throwing <laughs> yeah, man, i was like i don't want any part of that he at was, all and the kid that he was fighting was like man i didn't sign up for this like i thought it was like, gonna be throwing passes i signed up for volleyball what am i doing here get my face punched in by tony twist's offspring <laughs> right. all right since you brought up fighting Damn it! Anyway, uh, I, I saw something on Twitter. It was like two years ago today, or is an anniversary of a fight between the Blues and the Blackhawks. It was a little bit of a brawl. Like there was a couple, two, three different things going on, and I guess Vince Dunn squared off with oh, somebody. That was the Chicago Wolves. Oh, was it the Wolves? Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, it was the Wolves. Yeah, good eyes, Jeff. And it, it was one where Dunn dropped the guy, and then yeah. the guy was skating off. The guy that got dropped was like Caglia or something like that. Was skating off, and it was like trying to pump up the crowd. After he was the last one on oh, the no, ice. Oh, no, no, no. You're talking. Okay. Because the one that I was talking There's about was two when- separate ones here that we're talking about, Jeff. Not the one in the bowels of the arena. That, this was on okay. the ice. Because that is amazing. Well, the thing that I loved <laughs> I'll was- I'll tell a story about that, too, in a second. Well, this one was, there was a couple of different scrums, and then Dunn squares off with somebody. They both threw some, and Dunn hit him with an uppercut, and he dropped to his knees. This is the one where Dunn stood up and went, woo, like that. <laughs> Skated off, and then the yeah. guy who got his ass handed to him is skating like playing to the crowd, well, like woo. Yeah, what do like, you want to just go down with your head down? No, you got to act like you want it. But that's <laughs> the only time I've ever seen anybody do that. No, like, you gotta act like you you're want the it. one. You act like you want it. I mean, you got to you got to figure if it goes to the judges' cards, you got to act like you want it. He no? got the hit so hard he thought he was playing basketball. <laughs> the one I thought you were going to bring up was Vince Dunn down in the bowels of the arena. Yeah, that's in, a good one. Yeah, because somebody minors. comes to him, right? Yeah, Curtis Gabriel, who's a huge tough guy. He fought Ryan Reeves the other night. It was a pretty damn good fight at that. And uh, in Chicago, it's it's unique because you have this big area like the Zamboni comes down there, and on one side towards the back is the Wolves locker room. And you have the rubber that goes all the way down on one side. And the other side is a visiting locker room. So you're 25, 30 feet away from each other if you walk straight across. 
Guys, I can't tell you how many fights have happened in that area. I played there for one season at the end of my career, and we had fights before games started. Jeez. You'd be going out to warm up, and guys would walk across, and you could always tell what's going to happen because there was never rubber that was across. It was always gone. And you'd come out for a warm-up, or at the end of the all of a sudden, there'd be a piece of rubber laid across. Somebody sent the bat signal. <laughs> Throw the rubber down. Oh, so you could get from so one side get from to the one other. Side to oh, the other. my gosh. Oh, yeah. So the trainers would go grab the rubber and <laughs> slide it over, and then everybody like back away. and be like, here it comes. And You're just not even on the ice. No. It's like Braveheart. You're just like grabbing anybody. And this is, again, this is you're in the minors, you're trying to impress people, blah, yeah, blah, blah, right? And you're, basically, whatever you kill, you can eat in the minors, My right? Goodness so, gracious. But Vince Dunn, yeah, that was funny because Curtis Gabriel's a big, tough guy, and he walks over, and I think he thought he was just going to shake Dunner because he didn't throw a punch, and then Dunner just was like, you know what? I'm kind of scared, think I'm going to do this. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wow, he just dropped. Well, think about the fact that if he dropped somebody who just hung with Reeves in a oh, fight, yeah. that's pretty good. It was good, and then they showed, they panned back to the, I don't know if that video, I have the original video, and they panned back to the bench, and Chief is coaching the Chicago Wolves. And Craig Bruby looks up at the big screen. They're playing it on the big screen. He just starts to giggle. <laughs> He's like, ah, I love this case. It's <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we let's let's try to get through some emails, guys. And you can always email us. At the us. end of this, Donnie, I have some bad news for Jeff. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. No. Did you look at your ring doorbell again? Mm-hmm. Damn it, anyway. It's funny. It's funny. All right. This I one... thought I was in my house. Oh, I yeah. swear. I just want to walk the dogs. <laughs> hey, gentlemen. All included. Uh, he says a bunch of very nice things to all of us, and then he jumps to my question is this. What would Jamie choose? But this is crazy. This Uh-oh. is some this is this is tough. My question is this. What would Jamie choose between only playing for Mike Babcock or Mike Keenan for his entire career or never playing NHL hockey? I know it's a tough question, and I apologize for the possible jam. However, I really want to know the answer. Love you guys. It's the best podcast and really the only one I listen to religiously. Let's go, Blues. That's Ryan in Winsville. Uh, this is actually pretty easy. It's actually pretty, I'm not quitting hockey, that's for sure. I can go through anything. I've played through hell, and I'm still here, okay? Uh, I would play. I would much rather play for Mike Keenan than Mike Babcock. Wow! For my entire career, hands down, not even close. For you to say it that quickly yeah. and that definitively is very surprising to me. And the reason why it's surprising, go back to an old podcast that has the name Mike Keenan in the title, and you'll realize why. And also, yeah. too, I think that we should maybe let the listeners know of uh, some lingo that we use. Normally, when Jamie first gets into the building before we cut the podcast, he has to go to the restroom for a Keenan. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah. what— I pick that, lane two. It has the sprayer in there. That's, that, that, and I drop a Keenan off. But, I mean, yeah. that's what you think of that guy. Wow. And yeah. and Babcock's worse. Yeah, it's easy, guys. Here, Mike Keenan was a, a scumbag. There's no doubt. Okay, he treated me like crap as well as so many other guys. But Mike Keenan did have a version of him that wasn't terrible away from the rink. And there were some experiences that I had with Mike to where we went and got drunk in the same spot, same time. Not necessarily together, but end up talking. And it's like... There's hope. There's yeah. hope, right? And then once you played for Mike Keenan for a couple of years, he tend to figure, oh, I've beaten up on this guy enough. I think I'll make him one of my boys now. And if you look at the guys he drug around the NHL with him from team to team to team to team, he was very dedicated to his whipping boys, whether that was because he wanted to just continue to whip them or he thought that they'd been whipped enough and now I'm going to reward them with a couple of three, four years of extra duty in the NHL. I'd much rather have Mike Keenan, who 
is going to tell you to F off and come at you and kick you in the ribs and do stupid stuff like that than Mike Babcock, who's a sneaky son of a gun, who and- comes in and pretends to care about you, comes in every morning, hey, Revs, oh, yeah, hi, good morning. Uh, how's your family doing? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. If my family got burned in the house, then they're all gone. He wouldn't care. Wouldn't stop him from shaking his coffee and going off and doing his wow, thing. Wow, that's a horrible human being, he's, if that's a true statement. Is it he is. the guy that you mentioned? One of these two coaches, you said he didn't necessarily know much about hockey. He surrounded him with people. Well, that was Mike that, Keenan. Okay, that was Keenan. Yeah, okay, yeah. Keenan did a good job of surrounding himself with X's and O's. But let's remember, Scotty Bowman wasn't the best X's and O's coach either. He was an incredible people manager, an incredible bench manager, and the best ego manager ever in the NHL. And he had a knack for knowing what to do to push guys to be champions and what they needed to do. Now, as the game evolved, Scotty Bowman coached for I don't even know how many decades, the game changes. It changes all the time. So why not surround yourself with people who are right in the thick of things as mm-hmm. far as the systems and X's and O's? Once you know you have a, a rough concept of it, now you're motivating. When you're the head coach, now you're motivating, you're figuring out your line combinations. There's a lot that goes into it that uh, that isn't X's and O's. All right, well, listen, how about one more email, and then we'll let you wrap things up. Bad news for Jeff. All right. Mm, man. All right, so this is from Matthew. Change the locks. And he, he wanted to do a, a, a kind of a change of pace email, which you guys will appreciate. But this is technical, so listen. Oh, boy. When a shooter is approaching the goalie, or even shooting from the points near the blue line, why don't they always shoot while elevating the puck? What I mean is, in a butterfly-heavy style of goaltending that is played now, it would seem to be common sense that over-the-shoulders would always be open. Having never played ice hockey, I don't know the skill aspect of getting a puck off the ice with a stick, nor do I know the specific geometry or amount of real estate open between shoulder and crossbar. But in a a numbers-focused game, it seems like the majority of the holes are up off the ice. Yet we regularly see pucks while shot well, just sliding on the ice. Seems inefficient. Anyway, sorry for the extraordinary length. Jeff, that's a porn title. Oh. That's from Matt. I was like, you don't ever apologize for that, do you? No, ordinary um, <laughs> length, no. Okay, so here's where it could get confusing for people who don't know the game or who are just learning. Um, but also, as it's confusing, it's going to make a lot of sense. Is Yes, the goalie goes down, and number one spot to shoot is either over the shoulder or now it's about 20 inches off the ice, over the pad, between the arm. There's a spot there, the eight hole, Okay. Eight, 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 eight. I knew you were coming eight at me with hole. that too. Eight hole. And so that, that yeah, that's you're right. There's spot to shoot all the time. But you don't always have that opportunity. Sometimes you're shooting for a rebound. Sometimes you're specifically shooting for a deflection. And that's when, if you want your guys to go to the front of the net on a power play or in a regular situation, you can't be giving them chin music all night long, right? Like uh, Richie, all night yeah, long. Yeah, all night long. That. I heard that about him. Yeah. All night. All night. All night. I love I the really like that song. Yeah, I love that song, Sorry. too. Uh, it wasn't quite dancing on the ceiling, but it was good. <laughs> now, that being said, uh, you don't want to do that to your teammates because guess what they're going to stop doing? They're going to stop going to the front of the net when Colton Pareko is shaving your goatee with a clapper from the point, (laughs) forget about it. So I want no part of that. No, none (laughs) at all. And so if you want to create that traffic, those guys to the net, you got to shoot the puck six to eight inches off the ice. Sometimes right along the ice with these butterfly-style goalies, if you go five-hole right along the ice, the way they do it now is they used to drop down with the stick on the ice. Now the stick comes off the ice because they want to cover up high. So as you shoot it towards a five-hole, the stick 
there's a period of time where the stick comes off the ice and the pads aren't quite down yet. And that's why you'll see on shootout attempts, like when we watch that at the end of a game, guy will come in and all of a sudden make a quick move and like just zip it as hard as he can right along the ice. And that's because there's a spot there and it can sneak in there. So there's a lot of different strategies. The number one thing I'd say regarding this is if it's you and the goalie, most of the time you're going to try and find a guy who goes high or he'll see like one of the angles off to the low glove or low blocker. But when you have traffic in front or you're trying to get your teammates to actually create some traffic in front, you can't send the chin, the chin music all day there. Right, makes yeah. sense. I'd always heard that the closer you are, the higher you should shoot it, at, shoot it anyway. I know that's a generalization, but yeah. right? Right? Makes yeah. sense. I mean, yeah. unless there's something available low. No, I always go high. You know that. LMBP. Kind of a high guy like that. LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. We've got a bunch of emails. I got bad news for Jeff. Oh, yeah. What? We got to get to it. No. You've been no. discouraging me. I said I had a question 25 minutes ago, and Donnie, he, sorry. he big-timed me. Yeah, I didn't did. big-time you, man. It's the hamster on the wheel, man. Well, the hamster apparently should have some PED checks here. So, oh. All right, just Jeff, give me the bad news. All right, What's bad, the bad news. news. Clem Costin's out. I saw he got hurt. Yeah. Oh, what? Man. Yeah, yeah, is it a shoulder or arm? What Blew was out that? his shoulder over in Russia. I saw. All right, that's good. Let's go. I was shown. I was shown the video, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was hoping it was old video. No, I got a text from my old agent in Russia, uh, and he said, uh, "Your boy Costin could be out for a while." And then I he sent me the video, and I looked at it. And the boards in Russia, by the way, are not like here. They build them like they're like concrete walls. That makes sense. That's yeah. smart. It's really it's, there's no forgiveness to them at all. And you know, I remember, when I say tear down that wall, that's what I say. I remember knocking myself out over there, running a the guy, got through him. He went down, and my momentum carried me because, of course, I'm trying to put him through the boards. Here. I knocked my own head off the boards or the glass. It never gave, and I kind of I was out, and then I kind of came back, and I was like halfway back to the bench. I was like, okay, whew, we're back. Didn't really disclose that because I didn't trust the trainer right. slash janitor too much over there. <laughs> right. or, or you couldn't understand him uh, either. Whatever, yeah. But yeah, so Clem Costin goes to make a hit on one of the players. The player ducks underneath, and Costin goes over top, and his shoulder hits the glass, which doesn't give at all, and you just see his shoulder pops out. And oh. then he's down, and he's laying there, and then he's, he's dragging his arm back to the locker room. Didn't look good. <sighs> so... It doesn't mean, you know, it's done for Quinn Costin, but the thought of him coming back this year at all and even the potential of putting on the blue note to give it a go, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Thanks a lot. Sorry, Jeff. Thanks a lot for popping my big red balloon. So, 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 you call it? so this is crazy. So even players for our team that are playing on different freaking continents are getting hurt. You don't even have to have the uniform on to get hurt. <laughs> like, I don't Hell, even, I may stub my toe a, when I get oh up. God. Apparently, if you have a contract with the Blues at all, you you're you're you could be injured. Listen, we need Very bubble soon. wrap and we need god dang lots of it. It is the last minute blues <laughs> podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 1057 the point, our boy a uh, former blue defenseman Jamie Rivers, team member over at 101 ESPN. Share this podcast with your hockey loving friends. Email us if you got a question. LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. And as always, let's go blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. 
New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.